This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Ah, yes, can you hear it? It's the sound of a glass ceiling being taped back together. Yes, Nancy Pelosi, unfortunately, is going to be leaving the speakership, and we're all very sad about that, even though Nancy Pelosi sucks. But to celebrate her exit and the giant L she has to wear on her forehead till the end of time, leaving us with a giant loss, it's the Nancy Pelosi sucks pen. Now, we've been talking about the Nancy Pelosi sucks pen for a while, and here she is leaving us now. She's going to have less power. So why not celebrate that with a Nancy Pelosi sucks pen of your own? Now, this is a great Christmas gift for anyone else who thinks Nancy Pelosi sucks. So pretty much everybody. Uh, but now you can save 25% off right now if you use the code BYNANCY. See you later, Nancy. B-Y-E, Nancy. Buy Nancy, 25% off right now at nancypelosisuckspen.com. I don't know how long these are going to last. I mean, the rumor is that once, uh, since she's out, as soon as this last batch goes, this is it for these pens. So if you want to get one, go to nancypelosisuckspen.com. Use the code, uh, promo code BYNANCY. Save yourself 25%. And always remember, Nancy Pelosi sucks. Stu does America. That wasn't nice at all, what I just said, just said about Nancy Pelosi. I, I apologize for that. BlazeTV.com slash Stu. The promo code is Stu. Save 10 bucks off of Blaze TV. If you're on YouTube, like this video right now. In fact, if you're on YouTube, maybe you saw our special Q&A, YouTube only, earlier today. We talked a lot about uh, the elections and Thanksgiving and all sorts of fun stuff. Just hanging out, answering your questions. Make sure to check it out. Uh, Stu Does America is the YouTube channel. Click like, follow the channel. If you click the bell... We have these little uh, live broadcasts. You're going to be clued in on it, so make sure to do that. Dan Andros is going to be here to break down the left's awful response to the Colorado shooting. The Joe Biden uh, show continues, continues to tread water, at least, on his uh, student debt relief promises. Ugh. But we start by doing the misgendered murderer. Yes, we are now misgendering murderers. This is a very sad story. Now, of course, this is a truly sad story, a story uh, that is Absolutely awful, a mass shooting in a, a, a Club Q, a gay nightclub in Colorado. Uh, this was a situation where we had real heroes, amazing people who uh, were able to fight back and take down the shooter in a totally different picture from what we saw, for example, in Uvalde, where you know, police officers, trained officers were standing there with shields and, and high firepower weapons down the hall waiting just to see what would happen while in a, in a gay club, you had a couple guys just running up and beating the crap out of the guy with a gun, and it ended it a lot faster. So thank God that happened. Uh, of course, the narratives were built in almost immediately. It was an LGBTQQIA2 plus club, so therefore, this had to be a MAGA hate attack. That's how it was promoted by the media. And I want to give you a sense, before we get into the, today's development, of what the coverage of this story was like. This wasn't just, hey, we think this might have happened. MAGA, you know, may be responsible for this. I want to give you a, a, a sense as to how ridiculous this got before we knew any of the facts as to what this person, who this person is and what this person did. Here is Ben Collins 
trying to, I guess, emotionally uh, deal with this sort of a therapy session on the air about his coverage of LGBTQ issues that I guess he thinks may have played into the murders. It's hard to tell, but check it out. I'm just wondering, what could I have done different? Seriously, as reporters, what can we do different? Because there are five dead people in a strip mall because that was the only place they felt safe as gay or trans people in this town in Colorado Springs. And I am trying to thread this needle here. I'm trying to say that this is happening. This targeted stuff has real life impacts. They say on the internet has real life impacts. And I'm gonna fail, by the way. I'm gonna you know, freak out because it's happening because I, w- I wake up and I see that there are five dead bodies. But I think we have to have a come to Jesus moment here uh, as reporters. Are we more afraid of being on Breitbart for saying that trans people deserve to be alive? Or are we more afraid of the dead people? Because I'm more afraid of the dead people. I can tell you, I can't tell you how many times I've been on Breitbart and seen stories like MSNBC reporter says transgender people deserve to be alive. It's a very controversial statement that all conservatives were outraged by. Uh, Earlier in the segment, he had put up a bunch of uh, a bunch of headlines and it was stuff like, you know, like, hey, there was a, uh, a, a protest by conservatives at a LGBTQ drag queen breakfast with kids and things like this that have. Again, we have no knowledge, no reason to believe that that was tied to these murders in any way. No reason to believe it. And he's like, what should I do? Do I, am I scared of being on Breitbart for saying transgendered people need to be alive? Look, uh, this is going, this is not a shock to anyone who watches The Blaze, or I'm sure, I don't check Breitbart all that often, but I'm sure Breitbart is doing the same thing, as well as any other conservative uh, outlet worth their salt. Every human being deserves equal rights. It does, everyone deserves. In fact, let me give you another group of people that deserve to be alive. The 63 million that undoubtedly this guy would vote to, to be allowed to be killed, uh, to be allowed to not, never even have a chance at life outside of the womb. Those, that's 63 million. That group there, yeah. I, we think they should be alive too. We think transgender people should be alive. We think that gay people should be alive. We think that L and G and B and T and Q and Q and I and A and 2 and plus people should all be alive. That's not a controversial thing at all to conservatives. People deserve to be able to live their lives. That being said, that doesn't change your position on whether kids should be sexually indoctrinated at a, at a drag queen story time for kids that's a totally different story it doesn't mean that we should be teaching uh, all sorts of in-depth sexual uh, concepts to second graders in the don't say gay law that was a, a big part of point of debate we don't that doesn't mean that we think everybody should go into whatever bathroom they want to maybe they should go in the biological sex bathroom uh, that relates to that those aren't those aren't those aren't sentiments that mean that people should lose their lives. In fact, I know of, and I mean this sincerely, there's been a lot of talk about Drag Queen Story Hour and, and all of that that has gone on over the past uh, year or two on the conservative side. We talk about it often on shows on The Blaze. I have literally never heard any other conservative host say one word about drag queens gathering together as consenting adults. You can do whatever you want in a club. I don't know anyone who thinks that that 
that's not even part of the conversation. That's in your brain. That's not actually happening. But this is where we are with the coverage. Now, that happened before we got kind of a big update here uh, last night. Now, the Colorado shooter uh, was due to be in, uh, in court for a, a hearing. And now the statement came in from the lawyer, and, and it had some interesting details in there. Colorado club shooting suspect is non-binary, says the attorney. Now, they, uh, uh, they uh, put a, uh, a filing in for the court, and it goes through a bunch of the details, talking about whether they want bond or not, and this is what it looks like. But when you zoom in, there's a little footnote, and it says, uh, I'm, I'm not going to read his name, but it's on there. It says, he is non-binary. They use they, them pronouns, and for the purposes of all formal filings, will be addressed as, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Instead of Mr., it would be MX. I, I, don't, I don't know, honestly, <laughs> frankly, what any of that means. I guess the non-binary thing is a bit confusing. It just seems like a, li- a bit non-committal. Uh, I don't know. I'm not exactly sure what that is. It seems like people kind of go in and out. I know Demi Lovato for like 10 minutes was non-binary and now she's back to a girl. I don't know how this stuff works. I don't think they know how it works either. But the bottom line is that is the situation. So now you have a situation where the murderer is LGBTQQIA2+. I guess you fit into the plus when you're non-binary. I'm not exactly sure how that works. Um, It's interesting, though, because we've been told for a very long time that the only defining characteristic of someone who is, let's say, non-binary is they, them, say, they, them, saying the words, I am non-binary. That's the only qualification. There's nothing to check. It's a, a feeling that they have. Some internal feeling that tells them that they're non-binary that we're supposed to respect immediately without questioning it. And that's what the media has been telling us forever. If you don't do that. You're misgendering them. You're dead naming them. You're you're doing all these terrible. Uh, you're committing crimes against humanity when you say the wrong Mr. Mrs. Mix, whatever it is. Well, all of that died in the moment when this person who was a murderer said that they were non-binary because now apparently it is OK to question whether that's real. Here's Allison Camerata on CNN amongst a very uh, suddenly skeptical group about someone's claim that they're non-binary. Watch. Attorneys for the accused shooter, Anderson Lee Aldrich, say in new court filings tonight that the suspect now identifies as non-binary. Look at this. In a footnote to a motion asserting legal privileges, the public defenders say, quote, Anderson Aldrich is non-binary. They use they, them pronouns, and for the purposes of all formal filings, will be addressed as Mix Aldrich. So in other words, not Mr. or Ms. I don't know what to say about that. I mean, that's not anything that we had heard from his background. You know, people have been looking into his background, and uh, I don't know if anybody here, are you guys lawyers? I mean, you know, I don't know if, I I don't know what to say about that. I mean, that's what he's now saying. Listen to the skepticism there. They went on to say that the, uh, they, they thought that this was just him trying to prepare a defense for a hate crime. Totally doubting him. Well, or totally doubting they. I don't know how to speak this weird language we've created. But the bottom line is totally doubting this claim that he's non-binary. Well, I, I mean, I can understand why I would be skeptical over such a claim like that. Makes sense that I would do that. Why would you be doing it? You said all the time that you're not allowed to do that. 
Now, of course, instead of just saying, wait a minute, we were totally wrong on this. This is how they double down on the claim. Right wing influencers and media double down on anti LGBTQ. Where's the QIA2 plus rhetoric in the wake of the Colorado shooting? Yes, that's what we're told. Fascinating developments here because we're the whole narrative here is that you're supposed to just believe people when they say these things. And now they don't believe it. They don't believe that this guy is non-binary. Now, what is consistent with what I believe, what is consistent with what conservatives believe, is to be skeptical over this. It is not at all impossible that this person is an anti-LGBTQQIA2 plus person and realizes this game that has been played by the media and is trying to manipulate the coverage. Maybe he's lying about being non-binary. All of that is completely possible in my world, in your world, you and I are looking at the facts and we're saying, wait a minute, seems like it might be, and I don't even know if this is true. I'm just saying, in theory, you could question the fact that maybe this person is a, some right-wing extremist and is saying, I am just non-binary to throw the media off course. It's certainly possible. However, we as people who are trying to look for the facts in these situations and are using our noggins can say, it's worth looking into that possibility. I can be skeptical of his non-binary claim. The media can't do that. They can't do that. They can't do that because they've set these rules up to show us that whenever someone says they're non-binary, that's what they are. That's the only qualification necessary to be non-binary is you saying it about yourself. Now they're trying to spin their way out of it because they really want the talking point to blame Donald Trump or uh, right-wingers, or conservatives, or whatever they want at this point. Now, um, there's this concept that has been tossed around a lot since this, which is the concept of stochastic terrorism. And here's the definition. The public demonization of a person or group resulting in the incitement of a violent act, which is statistically probable, but whose specifics cannot be predicted. That comes from dictionary.com. Stochastic terrorism. And the big thing here was, well, no, there was never a conservative media personality who said you should go shoot up uh, an LGBTQQIA2 plus club. That didn't happen. No one said go into Club Q and kill people. No one said go commit violence against transgendered people. But they said bad things generally about this group, and therefore they are responsible because they've done this thing, right? They've painted an entire group of people with negative uh, attributes, and eventually someone's going to come out and do something bad. That's the claim. But if that is something that is, that's, if that's the new rule, I want to make sure I understand it, because the left says that conservatives are racist, they're homophobes, they're Islamophobes, they're haters, they're violent, they're gun owners, they hate women. They hate children, they hate everybody, Hispanics, Indians, Native Americans, everybody. If, what is the worst thing you can say about someone? It was just something that I just named. Somewhere in that group is the worst thing you could say about somebody else. They've painted conservatives this way the entire time. So when there are instances of violence against conservatives, and we've seen many of them, under their own definition, they would say, and they wouldn't say it, but it would be illogical to think anything else. They are guilty of stochastic terrorism and causing it. Is that sane? I don't think it's sane. You should be able to say what you want, and it's not your responsibility if some lunatic does something terrible. 
unless you're encouraging them to do it directly. I mean, that's that's kind of how our law is set up, and it's the appropriate way of looking at it. But it gives us a lot of lessons here. Number one, wait for the facts. Stop. Stop and wait. There's no reason to guess as to what's going on here. Let's see an investigation. Look, it was real. I will be honest with you. Really, really suspicious that after the shooting happened, we did not hear anything for a while. We did not hear any of his social media postings. We did not hear anything he was saying. We did not hear any reports about his background other than the one violent act from last year. We heard almost nothing about the person. Why? Could it be because he was actually non-binary? Yeah. Yeah, because that would have blown up the narrative completely. Now, is that true? I don't know. I still don't know. The fact that some murderer is telling us he's non-binary is not enough for me. I want to know the actual facts. But I will say, the media is going down this road whether this fact exists or not. They don't care about it. Now, at least by the left's uh, summary of how this world works, we have an LGBTQQIA2 plus murderer. Not someone who murdered LGBTQQIA2 plus people, which he also did, but also a member of that group. And look, if you look at murders overall, I mean, we had a shooting at Walmart uh, the other day um, and it was a ter- another terrible shooting. Uh, but the, the guilty figure in that case was the night manager. And that is much more common than some giant political attack. Over and over and over again, we think it's going to be politics that causes these things. And over and over and over again, it tends to be interpersonal reaction, uh, relations. If this person, uh, the murderer, was in one of these groups, non-binary, it's possible he had an interaction with someone at the club, possibly a negative interaction um, on the premises, possibly just an, a negative interaction with that group generally, and felt like he needed to take out uh, you know, his anger against this group? We don't know. It's possible. It's certainly something to be investigated because that's certainly a lot more common than a political murder. That's not, a, that's not very common, really. It doesn't happen all that often. So this is why it's interesting because the conservative viewpoint here is to look at this, wait for the facts, and be skeptical of what the first report is. Be skeptical of what we don't know. On the other side, the liberals are saying, "Okay, well, we're supposed to adopt every single piece of this ideology. When someone says they're non-binary, they're non-binary. So it's not okay for them to question that news. The problem here, more than anything else, is that the left does not care about these victims. It's, It's the most important thing to understand about a story like this. The left is using, using these people and their loss to try to take advantage and gain political power whether it's taking your guns, whether it's vilifying your party. They just want to come after you. They don't care about these victims at all. That's just not central to what they're doing. They're doing something else here. And the quicker that we recognize what they're doing, the quicker we can push back against it. Let me tell you about Genucel, the finest in skincare. Carmen from Cedar Rapids had this to say about Genucel skincare. I love Genucel. I have struggled to find a product that didn't irritate my skin. This is the only one that I have been able to use without problems. Not only do I love it, but my skin feels like velvet. Love, love, love Genucel. From now till, I guess, tomorrow, there's a short little window for you. You can treat yourself to GenuCell's most popular package for 70% off at GenuCell.com. Right now, you can treat yourself to the only skincare products you'll ever need. Right now, 
Every most popular package order includes GenuCell's Acid Correcting Serum, absolutely free. GenuCell products delight men and women with inspiring results by correcting their daily skin problems like wrinkles, dark spots, dry skin, sagging jawline, facial redness, and even those annoying bags and puffiness. And with immediate effects, GenuCell's can guarantee results in as little as 12 hours or your money back. So no risk here. Order at GenuCell.com slash two. This is a great gift for anybody on your holiday list. Your most popular package includes a holiday gift set plus free express shipping. It's GenuCell.com slash stew. G-E-N-U-C-E-L dot com slash stew is GenuCell.com slash stew. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Let's bring in Dan Andros. He's the managing editor of faithwire.com, host of CBN's Quick Start podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Dan, how's it going? Great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I am a little perturbed by this media development here as we have been misgendering this murderer, and no one wants that to happen. When you look at this, I mean, it's, it is certainly a plot twist. What do you make of it? Well, I mean, Stu, we obviously have been monitoring media bias for quite some time. I mean, I think both of us probably, I mean, I'll just speak for me, in my days of listening to Rush Limbaugh in the 90s, and he kind of um, popularized the chronicling of left-leaning bias, left-wing bias in the mainstream media. and. What I really believe we're seeing now is a full commitment not to just, well, you've got reporters in the media who happen to mostly be liberal, and so therefore you're seeing a lot of that bias just kind of pour through. A lot of times, just because that's the way they see the world, it shows in the reporting. I really do believe now you're seeing a transition to full-blown activism, not just biased, but now we're activists. Now we are committed to these narratives and you see them make editorial decisions too that are just head scratching. And you think, okay, at an organization like the Blaze or at CBN where I'm at, where we don't have these massive teams and endless resources like the New York Times has to report and fact check and do all this stuff and we do it, but we do a better job than them. And that's just inexcusable and I attribute it to them being committed to activism more than anything else. I think that's very true. I mean, you can point to a, a bunch of different t uh, points on the timeline as to when this really occurred. I, I do go back, though, I think, to the 2016 election. And yeah. this, this, you know, if you look back at the coverage of the 2016 election, obviously it was very pro-Hillary. Was, she was certainly the person who got the, the, the much better of that coverage. But there was a big difference between 2016 and 2020 in what they chose to cover and how they chose to cover it. Um, in 2016, they did cover the email scandal. Now, most of that coverage was spent giving excuses as to why it wasn't a big deal. And they would say, okay, well, Hillary's got this email scandal, Donald Trump's saying this, here's why it's not that big of a deal. In 2020, the similar scandal would be maybe the Hunter Biden laptop, 
They didn't do that that time. They, they, they had a totally different approach, which was to not even acknowledge that it existed. They didn't say Hunter Biden's laptop isn't a big deal and here's why. They didn't even cover it at all. And it felt like they had made a decision. Look, we, we can't let 2016 happen again. We made this, we made this sort of uh, effort at, at trying to justify that we were still doing journalism. That's got to end because it doesn't work anymore. We have to just go all out and make sure that people don't even know about these stories, because if we don't do that, we risk having Donald Trump for another four years. And that can't happen. Yeah, you have to understand the climate that's going on behind the scenes at these uh, institutions. I mean, look at Twitter as a perfect example. Um, you know, it's coming out now, this Washington Post, uh, I believe, article talking about the behind the scenes in the Musk takeover. And they talk about how employees were deeply concerned about reinstating the Babylon Bee account. <laughs> now, this is a satire site. They make jokes. You don't have to like their jokes. That's fine. They make jokes and got banned for making a joke about Rachel Levine being the man of the year, which is funny. And they get banned for that. But but the what I'm pointing to here is like, we laugh about it at times in conservative circles about the, the wokeness or whatever going on at these institutions. But th that is serious to them. Like that, that was a big deal. They truly think that um, anything of misgendering is actually causing harm. They've bought into this narrative. So now they feel like we have to do something about it. Um, and so Twitter here, like this is actually a big concern of theirs. And the, the employees were very troubled by the Babylon Bee, when that's just, I mean, that is silly in over here in sane world. Yeah, I would say. Let me, let me push you a little bit on that point. Do they believe it? Because they act as if it's the most important thing in the world, but I have a really tough time believing that any human being on earth actually believes the gender narrative they're trying to promote right now. I think they're doing it for other reasons. I think they're they're trying to undermine our institutions. I think they they are using it as a political cudgel to destroy other people they don't like. I think there are reasons why they're acting as if they believe you can just turn from a boy into a girl into a boy into a girl, depending on however right. you feel at the moment. But no human being actually believes that this is possible yeah. or true. No, that's a good point. And I, and I would say I think there's both. And, uh, and what I mean by that is you have a lot of these young people coming out of college and they just want to do good and they want to do the right thing. And they're all liberal and flaming progressives. And then you have activists who I would think fall into the category you're talking about, like these hardened, you know, the George Soros of the world that are just like, whatever, we will use whatever issue we can to mobilize people. They just don't care. Um, but then you have the useful idiots that go just go along with this stuff. So I I think it's like a mixture of both because a lot of these tech companies feature a lot of young people and they they've fallen into this. But I but I but then there's another class which is sort of the elitist um, activists that run a lot of these you know, narrative campaigns and these organizations that are in charge of pushing these narratives, etc. So I think it's probably a little bit of both. Yeah, you know it's interesting because I. I I think you're probably right. I'm sure there are some people who who do believe it, although I don't think they're, um, you know, sentient human beings. Um, but <laughs> if you fall into this, because I mean, it's 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 like you're talking about something else. In my best moments in this little uh, debate that goes back and forth here, I think you know, 
basically what's happening is we're just talking about two different things. Like if you if you corner someone who's talking about this gender stuff and you say, look, I'm talking about essentially what biological sex. That's what's important. That's what's important when you go to a hospital. Right. That you need they need to know whether you have a uterus or not. That's <laughs> what's important. Um, and, and that's what I care about. And they'll say, like, when you look at the descriptions of some of these, like, 8,000 genders they have, it's like someone who feels like they are all genders at the same time. All 100 yeah. genders at the same time. And you're like, okay, like, I'm not saying that there is not a conversation to be had, right, about a person who believes they feel like there are 100 different genders at a time. That, that conversation probably resolves, uh, you know, involves medication and uh, medical treatment to try to help them uh, mentally understand that that's not possible. But like, okay, like if we're talking about someone's feelings, we can put that whole basket of crap over here. It might be important for that individual to, uh, to understand their feelings. I'm not saying, you know, maybe they need to get therapy. Maybe they, maybe they need to talk it out, whatever that answer is. But as a society, when it comes to policy, when it comes to understanding these things as a general principle, when it comes to government and how a civilization deals with these things, it is entirely unimportant what your feeling is. It is entirely unimportant to a policymaker whether you feel like you're 100 genders or, uh, at once or not. The question is what you actually are. What is the fact? Yeah. And it seems like no one on the left wants to have that conversation. It's as if it's completely irrelevant to them. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And um, I, I think maybe part of what we're seeing is the fruits of a movement that has been completely built on bullying, fear, and intimidation. Mm -hmm. Because I think you're right. I mean, I think when push comes to shove and you have an issue like this and then it comes back on them, they're totally willing to abandon it. Like we've seen, as you brought up, um, these, you know, the media is just like, oh, he's going by they, them. Now that suddenly they, they suddenly they're not so sure yeah. about just saying whatever person's gender is. Now suddenly they've got a, a problem with that. But I think when you have a movement, and this is indicative, uh, Stu, of a lot of, I think, liberal bumper sticker theology, for back of a, lack of a better term, is they don't think these things, a lot of them don't think these things fully out. They're just trying to you know, get people to rally to their cause. And then when the rubber meets the road, they're just, the inconsistencies pop up. I mean, say what you want about conservative views, but a, a true conservative like yourself is very consistent on how you apply your views to all of the different issues. Liberals are not. They're, they walk into these inconsistencies all the time. And uh, I, I think it's because you've built a movement on bumper sticker slogans uh, and bullying. Like, if you don't agree with these bumper sticker slogans, we are going to punish you. And, and now you actually have an apparatus behind those punishments, not just threat of not being liked by liberals. You could actually get your accounts, your social media accounts lost or your your media page could be taken down from your from your news company. Um, you can actually have real tangible consequences. Uh, and so but I think all of those things work together. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, it, it, I think the left is much more adept or willing to be uh, to willing to embrace the idea of using whatever point is in front of you, whether it's consistent with your values or not. I mean, we see that it's all the time when it comes to the abortion debate. Oh, we just don't want you, anyone in the way of you and your health care. And it's like, wait Take a minute. the jab. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it doesn't make any sense. Okay, well, last one. We have about a minute before we have to go, Dan. Uh, last one for you. Yeah. 
as we look at this story, we've got the liberal media narrative driving down the, the boulevard at 90 miles an hour saying this is MAGA. MAGA did it. Uh, it. We have to talk about the right wing violence problem. And then it comes across an intersection and all the traffic lights are out. And coming across that intersection at the exact same time is this is a non-binary person. So how how does this resolve itself? What does the media do? Which which narrative backs off first so there's not a giant crash in the middle of the intersection? Uh, well, we've already seen it. I mean, NBC, ABC, and others at Newsbusters, they're reporting on this. They've already backed off and they just stopped. They just suddenly stopped kind of focusing on this story. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I think you will see them just maybe zero in on guns mm. and they will just, for the most part, you will see them eject on this because the smart ones will recognize this as a blatant contradiction. Yeah, it's interesting because the Second Amendment is the fallback position on all of these. They, they start out with, oh, this is the Republicans' fault, it's Trump's fault, it's, it's anti-race, it's racism, it's, it's homophobia, all that. And then when, when those narratives fall apart, they just back off to, well, guns are bad. <laughs> it's the guns. Uh, NRA. Yeah, NRA. So look for the NRA to be slammed here anytime uh, <laughs> soon over the weekend. Right around the corner. Dan Andros, uh, managing editor, faithwire.com, host of CBN's Quick Start podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. Make sure to subscribe to it. Dan, thanks for coming on the program. Happy Thanksgiving. All right, thanks, Stu. You too. You know, sometimes I will admit being uh, conservative with libertarian leanings, a lot of times I have no wiggle room on government issues. I just don't feel the need to give them the benefit of the doubt just because I've seen this stuff over and over again. Sometimes things that can be relatively sensible in the short term are always are there. And, and you're like, OK, well, that makes sense. And then the government abuses them like crazy. You know, a good example of this is the Jonestown flood. This happened in 1889 in Pennsylvania. Big flood, did a lot of damage. And they passed a tax to help rebuild the town uh, and, you know, used a state of emergency to do it. I can't remember all the details, but what I can remember is the tax is still in place. Now, you're going to be surprised to hear that the town has already been rebuilt. It was 1889 this happened. Uh, so this is what happens all the time with government. Now, let me fast forward now to today. COVID hits. It makes some sense. We could all come together and say, all right, look, you're, we're telling people that they can't go to work. Therefore, we should pause these student loan payments. OK, all right. Oh, it makes some sense for you know, a few months, let people get back on their feet, figure this whole thing out. And then the society is going to open. People can go back and start paying these loans. Well, of course, we know what happened. This has been extended and extended and extended and extended. And people have not paid loan payments now in three years. Now, of course, what Biden wanted to do was just now say, well, you don't have to pay it at all. We're going to take $20,000 of your loan payments and dissolve them unilaterally. This, of course, will not work with the courts. So they decided yesterday, instead of, as they know, this is going to get blown up by the courts, they decided to extend the student loan repayment freeze so people just don't have to pay them. So the, the number is still on the piece of paper, but they don't have to pay them anymore. So disingenuous, but this is how government works. And it's why I have very strict lines on this stuff. You can't give them any more power. They already abuse the power that they have, even when intentions are good. Um, sometimes mostly when intentions are good. By the way, Joe Biden isn't just screwing up that part of the government. He's also screwing up the economy. And let's give you a picture of what your Thanksgiving dinner is going to look like. Now, going back to 2020, when the election was going on, or right after the election, I guess, in 2020, uh, Thanksgiving dinner, $46.90 was the cost. Um, then in 2021, it went to $53.31, and then up $64.05 in 2020. 
2022. From from $47 to $64 in just two years. This is up 20% from just last year. Uh, You see turkey, it's at $28 for 16-pound turkey. Cranberries, $257. Sweet potatoes, $396. They have all the prices broken down. And it is just a disaster. And you see, when you look at the, uh, they got a line chart there, which shows how quickly it's gone up. Now, the inflation adjusted cost is up, but not up incredibly dramatically. The problem, of course, here is inflation overall. This isn't like a, a situation where the companies are all of a sudden charging a lot more for these products. It's just that the cost of the market and everything is, has gone up so much. Uh, the 2022 cost of Thanksgiving dinner now up at $64. And it's basically a straight line up since the moment Joe Biden walked into the White House. But other than that, this presidency is going really well. And if you happen to be one of those people who was thinking, you know, I'm going to go look at a house to buy. You are having the same feeling you just had when I described the turkey dinner. Because prices are going up. The market has gone way, way up in the last couple of years. Started to dip back down a little bit. And this is a really key time to have a good real estate agent. Because you want to look for a really good value. You can find them now. It's not impossible to find a good home value. Especially if your credit is good. You can get a decent mortgage and get get that rate down a little bit. You can find some real values. People have started to discount their homes. The market's going the opposite way that it was the last couple of years. An important time for someone who really understands the market. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find that person. They work with only the best agents in every market. They do their homework. They talk to every agent before inviting them to join the network. And they only work with full-time professionals. So go to realestateagentsitrust.com. Find the best agent in your area and make sure you have the best deal possible with one of your biggest investments. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Go there now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. So we don't have final results yet. We should get them today, though, in the Senate race and congressional race in Alaska. Alaska is set to announce results from confusing ranked choice system. Guys, what's so confusing about it? There's four people. Rank them in order. What do you mean? What do you mean it's confusing? Why is it confusing? Look, you might not like the system, but it's not confusing. It's easy. Just you have four people. One, two, three, four. Which one? Which order would you like them? Uh, I don't know. But I will say uh, the Democrats going to win in the congressional race. I, you know, these are my projections here. The Democrats going to win the congressional race. Uh, Peltola is at 48.7 percent. And you have uh, Nick Begich and Sarah Palin as two of the Republicans below. Most of it's probably going to be Palin winning out of those two. Most of Begich's vote, 23.4 percent, will go to Palin, but not enough. You'd, you'd have to basically almost get no votes going to the Democrat She's at 48.7%. So that one should be no, no problem for the Democrat to win. Now, Murkowski and Chewbacca are up. They're only about 1,700 votes apart from each other. 43.3% for Murkowski, 42.7% for Chewbacca. The issue is there's two other candidates below. I, the main one that's, that's an issue if you are a uh, Chewbacca supporter is uh, the Democrat in the race because the Democrat, uh, Chesbro, has 10.4% of the vote. Now, if you have Chesbro as your number one, you wanted a Democrat to be in office, you're not going to give this to the MAGA candidate. I mean, probably 90% plus of her, of her vote will go to Murkowski eventually. And when that does uh, happen, Murkowski will be above 50% and win in the ranked choice runoff. So 
I mean, this has been, to me, a sure thing for quite some time. It should be official later on today, but you'll get a Democrat in Congress from Alaska, which is bizarre and should not happen. Hopefully that can be remedied very soon. Uh, and uh, you will get Lisa Murkowski again. What did I say about Murkowski? I will believe Lisa Murkowski loses this race the second she actually does. I just don't believe it. I don't care what the polls said. And in this case, it looks like Murkowski is going to be the victor. It's time once again for Stu Eats America. Yes, it's almost Thanksgiving. These aren't Thanksgiving uh, themed treats, but it's our Thanksgiving edition of Stu Eats America. And we have an interesting one today. It's because you think, oh, well, what are you doing? You're going to Walmart and just picking things off the shelves. No, no. We go deeper for you. And in this case, we have three sodas to try. And these come from uh, one, of our, one of the producers on Glenn Show, Matt, who is the only person who seems to like snacks more than I do. Uh, and he not only ha- gave us the uh, one of the Mountain Dew flavors the other day, the 2022 version of Voodoo, but actually went back and somehow has scored the last three years and the varieties. And I guess Mountain Dew Voodoo, they have a different flavor every year. So we start, I guess, with the two. Let's start with the 2021 version of Mountain Dew Voodoo. Now, if you to remind you, if you are new to this particular segment, um, there is a this can's a little dented. Um, there is a A to F old school grading system here. A plus being the best, F being the worst. The 2021 version of Mountain Dew Voodoo, a mystery flavor. Hmm. Uh, that's interesting. It's, it's a a grape, maybe blueberry type of vibe to it. That's pretty good though. That's something I would actually drink. Now, this is uh, pretty tasty, let's say. It's, you know, it's very sweet. It's got, it's got a, a grape candy sort of vibe to it. So it's pretty, pretty strong, pretty sweet, but pretty good. I would say this one is a solid B for 2021's version. Now let's go to 2020. Now we're starting to get to the point where, like, what's happened what happens to a soda when it sits in a, can, in a can for multiple years? Should I be drinking it? I don't know. We'll see if I make it till tomorrow. 2020's version here. This is the pandemic one. This one comes with COVID inside of it, which is a nice little version here from uh, Mountain Dew. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's not good. No, not good. Ooh, what is that? I don't know what that is. It tastes like a can. <laughs> uh <laughs> The flavoring, ooh. It's a lot of lime in it, I would say. It's not a very good lime. And it's got uh, some side effects. You know, that one came straight from Wuhan, I think. I wouldn't necessarily try the 2020 version. Bad year for almost everything. Uh, That one I'm going to give a, I'll give that one a D plus. Not good. I would not drink that. Okay, and finally 2019. This could be death. This is back in the good old days, back before COVID came to visit us in our homes. Uh, 2019, mystery flavor, Mountain Dew. Hmm. Again, I think leaving a... Yeah. (laughs) I'll give that one uh, another D+. I think there's an issue. This one had more of an orange vibe, in case you're interested. I don't think you should go back and buy a multiple-year-old soda and try to drink it live on television. That's just a recommendation from me to you. I would say hold off on that. I would rank them probably one being the 2021 version, 
two, the second best of the 2019, and three, the 2020 COVID special. Uh, but uh, honestly, n- none of them are fantastic. This one's not bad. Uh, the 2021 version is not bad. It's got a pretty strong flavor profile, but I would not, uh, I would not recommend it. In fact, I think I'm going to go to the doctors. I think uh, now, is a t- now is the time to go from here directly to a physician to see if uh, whatever I've just consumed can be extracted from my body in some way before I die. Uh, we will, <laughs> but I do appreciate it. Thanks, Matt, by the way, for uh, bringing in the sodas. Uh, again, one, two, three is how I would order those things. Okay, uh, before we go, studospowerhour.com. Still available. You can get signed up to come see us here in studio on December 9th. Hang out. Uh, to relegate uh, us to our idiocy, you get to watch the Power Hour live. It's the 2022 Christmas Party Power Hour. And I don't even know if these things will be around uh, after this weekend, but if you want to get a Nancy Pelosi Sucks Pen, you still can. NancyPelosiSucksPen.com. She's leaving leadership, and uh, this could be the last special here. The code is BYNANCY, B-Y-E, Nancy. 25% off right now. NancyPelosiSucksPen.com. A perfect present for anyone who, like you, also believes Nancy Pelosi sucks. Have a great Thanksgiving.